Greetings, this is Phil St. Romain, and thank you for tuning in to my Awaken podcast channel. In this message, we're going to reflect on the meaning of wonder and the disciplines that help us to become more open to this natural spiritual experience. In future podcasts, we will examine different pathways to wonder that I call ordinary miracles. So this one is a kind of first step in that direction. If you would, please, consider supporting this ministry that makes this outreach possible. Go to shalomplace.com. That's S-H-A-L-O-M-P-L-A-C-E.com. And use the payment link in the menu. Thank you for your consideration. And now, our podcast. Let's begin by considering a definition of wonder from the dictionary. The first is that it is a cause of astonishment or surprise. Another, the quality, sense, or a state of exciting, amazed admiration. Surely wonder of this kind is one of the most uniquely human experiences. Different animals evidence fear, loneliness, anger, pleasure, and even emotional love. But only human beings possess the mental sophistication that is a prerequisite for perceiving the mysterious tinges of reality. We therefore ought to study wonder and encourage experiences of wonder so that our human potential might be fully realized. But what precisely do we mean by wonder? As Webster's second definition states, wonder is an attitude of exciting, amazed admiration. Excitement, amazement, and admiration. These are three very desirable feelings, but they are only part of the experience of wonder. We might also identify gratitude, joy, and humility as important subsets of wonder, along with a profound sense of awe. In addition, there is the curious capacity of wonder to stimulate the intellect, imagination, and memory in a context of self-forgetfulness. It is one of the most refreshing and truly recreative experiences of all. Only music is comparable in this regard. Music which conveys a sense of wonder may well be one of the greatest and most valuable of human treasures. The question that naturally arises at this point is, how does one get wonder? Does it just come along gratuitously, like a sunny day? Fortunately, there are several things we can do to dispose ourselves for experiences of wonder. But there is also a gratuitous element involved. Like all feelings and attitudes, wonder is rooted in a certain way of perceiving and interpreting reality. As Webster's first definition hints, the feeling of wonder is evoked by perception of surprises and even the miraculous. If there's no sense of wonder in one's life, chances are very good that life no longer seems filled with surprises and ordinary miracles. So let's talk a little about the significance of wonder. 
I believe a great many people today live wonderless lives. In fact, I may as well face up to the fact that I know only a few people who are genuinely committed to cultivating a sense of wonder. The great American psychologist Abraham Maslow wrote of Aldous Huxley that he was, quote, perpetually marveling at how interesting and fascinating everything was by wondering, like a youngster, at how miraculous things are by saying frequently, extraordinary, extraordinary. He could look out at the world with wide eyes, with unabashed innocence, awe, and fascination, which is a kind of admission of smallness, a form of humility, and then proceed calmly and unafraid to the great tasks he set for himself. Close quotes. It is an understatement to say that such people are hard to find. But how badly do we need people of wonder today? When we miss the sense of wonder in our lives, the following consequences can be readily noted. Number one, we take ourselves in our uniqueness for granted. Number two, we take our loved ones for granted. Number three, we become insensitive to injustices perpetrated against the innocent and vulnerable, turning our backs on the whole thing until it touches us personally. Number four, we cannot be genuinely compassionate. And five, we become intellectually superficial, filling our minds with fragmentary trivia. Six, we feel a sense of self-righteous deservingness for who we are and what we possess. Seven, we seldom experience joy, contenting ourselves instead with fleeting pleasures and successes. And eight, we become intellectually snobbish, assuming that we have all the answers to life's questions. Now that's only a partial list, and a dreary one, to be sure. Yet who among us has not experienced these tendencies? When we miss out on daily experiences of wonder, we unconsciously elevate our poor egos as the appropriate object of everyone's exciting, amazed admiration. Since other people are also vying for the same from us, we miss the wonder of each other completely. We do not even see each other clearly during those times, our egocentricity bending our perceptions to suit our own self-serving designs. Listeners who have read the works of Abraham Maslow might suspect that I'm only rehashing his writings on peak experiences here. I do not believe I am, however. I've read Dr. Maslow's works on this topic and have experienced in my own life both peak experiences and wonder. They're both very good, but they're also quite different. The euphoric delight of the peak experience seems to be a tremendous self-affirmation rooted in an intense perception of the meaning of one's personal life and accomplishments. Knowing that one's life is profoundly important and that one is being used, as it were, to channel beauty, truth, justice, and love into the world seems to be the message of the peak experience. They are deliciously personalizing experiences, elevating the ego to such a state of bliss as to transcend its normal boundaries. The resulting gratitude for life and enhanced feelings of self-worth 
or very healthy. Peak experiences should be welcomed when they come. Wander, on the other hand, has nothing to do with our personal deservingness and accomplishments. In contrast to peak experiences and other natural pleasures, wander, number one, is triggered by a sense of surprise and mystery. Number two, reveals to us our connectedness with all things. Number three, produces awareness of ourselves as part of a much greater whole. And in this sense, wonder is closely allied with wisdom. Number four, wonder leads to gratitude for the many people and things that have touched our lives. Five, wonder is content to simply let the object of its focus be itself without interference from the perceiver. And six, wonder leaves us eager for and open to new surprises. It's my belief that wonder and peak experiences can live happily side by side in our lives. But if I had to choose between the two, I would choose wonder. For it seems a more natural bridge to wisdom, truth, and genuine humility. Wonder's joys are not as intense as peak experiences, but its peace is deeply rooted and long-sustaining. Lest the listener conclude that wonder brings infallible insight and that it is a panacea for all of life's problems, we need only note that troubling third definition from Webster, which I didn't mention at the beginning, that wonder sometimes also brings a sense of doubt and uncertainty, an awareness that one is only beginning to realize what life is all about and that one will never know the absolute truth. Wonder smashes our dogmatic righteousness by holding it out against the immensity and mystery of the cosmos from which we have sprung. Wonder therefore keeps us humble, confronts us with ultimate questions, and hence ruffles our shallow props for security. Wander raises doubts, but in such manner as to lead us to greater curiosity, deeper inquiry, and perhaps even genuine faith in God. So how would we cultivate, then, a sense of wonder? The mystical properties of wonder might lead one to conclude that such an experience is only for mystics or other deserving few. But be assured that most people are capable of living a life enriched by wonder. Healthy children enjoy it several times each day. Adults must attempt to recapture that childlike openness and humility that makes way for wonder. We are all capable of experiencing wonder, but it may be that we shall have to give up a few habits and cultivate certain disciplines to make room in our lives for its sweetness. As I've already noted, wonder is a feeling rooted in a certain manner of perceiving and interpreting reality. I have hinted, too, that perceptions of surprises and the miraculous often come along with the experience of wonder. It follows that those who would cultivate a sense of wonder ought to look for surprises and miracles in everyday life. 
And by miracles here, I'm not speaking of supernatural events, but of the extraordinary nature of reality. Making room in one's mind for wonder will require considerable discipline, but the rewards far outweigh the minor inconveniences. If we are to be open to the surprises and miracles in everyday life, we must, first of all, empty our minds of mental static and fragmentary clutter. Prayer, meditation, jogging, silence, these are some common ways to decontaminate. Secondly, learn as much as possible about our world and its people and the unity of all things. There's an intellectual dimension to wonder. And so we can study, we can read, watch documentaries, and so forth, to learn more about the extraordinary nature of reality. Third, try to see things from the other's point of view. This helps us to get out of ourselves and opens us to wonder. And four, be willing to struggle with questions concerning the meaning of life. Finally, keep our attention focused in the present moment whenever possible. Most of us spend too much time regretting our past and planning our future. Those are positive steps, but they will not be sufficient unless we also overcome several roadblocks to wonder. Certain attitudinal and behavioral habits of ours are antithetical to the perception of surprises and mystery. One, self-concern makes it difficult to perceive reality clearly since we relate during those times in such a manner as to manipulate reality toward our own ends. Two, overanalyzing and labeling phenomena is also anti-wonder, especially if our explanations diminish curiosity and lead to intellectual snobbery. Three, mental sloth or lack of interest in the world keeps us self-concerned. Four, self-righteousness, especially regarding one's opinions, leaves no room for surprises and mystery. Five, lack of inner silence, something we've mentioned before. This clutters the mind. And six, bad addictive behaviors, consuming alcohol and drugs, overworking, and so forth, reinforces selfish behavior and diminishes the brain's capacity to respond to natural pleasures. So, if we are to cultivate the disciplines just mentioned and surmount the roadblocks, we might experience wonder more often. But even after doing so, we would find that wonder comes when wonder wills. Unlike anger, which we can more easily turn on and off, wonder does seem to have a gratuitous dimension. It's a gift given to us. There's a self-transcending quality about wonder that very naturally links it with genuine religious experiences. It's a short step from wonder to the God whom we might thank for the gift of life and cherish in those moments when we have deep appreciation of ordinary miracles and reality. Be open to experiences of wonder.
Trying to live more in the present moment. Notice things around you, not just with your senses, but also with your mind. That the sky is blue, and to remember why it's blue. That leaves are green, all different shades of green, and why they are green. The interconnectedness of things, how the air we breathe comes from plants, how it's been all around, how we participate with other life just by breathing, how the food that we eat comes from all over the world. So many different people contributed to just a simple meal. In future podcasts, we're going to reflect more on these kinds of things that I call ordinary miracles. The extraordinary nature of ordinary reality. These things help us to stay alive. They open us to mystery. They deepen our awareness and our spiritual life.